Hi, this is Cliff Click, and welcome to today's podcast. So today I'm going to talk about the hidden costs of the hidden bandwidth costs of garbage collection. Um, and, and I'm going to throw in a quick plug for my school, rocketrealtime.com, all run together one word, and my blog, cliffc.org, where I cover this material uh, with a live demo and actual running code and step you through what's going on sort of bit by bit by bit. So, um, so, so when I talk about the hidden bandwidth costs of GC, I'm not really talking about GC pauses. Those aren't actually hidden. We see them, we optimize them for them every day, we make bigger heaps, we use different garbage collectors to try to cut them down, and so on. So instead I'm trying to talk about um, the hidden bandwidth costs. And I'm doing this example here, same from Rocket School, um, I get an easy 5x speed up on a big data analytics problem by changing how I get the data, what the data path looks like, and basically by skipping some hidden allocation costs. And actually a lot of hidden allocation costs um, because I get a 5x speed up. Okay, so back up. So what's my example? I'm going to read an old school fintech log file. These things exist in droves and they are legally required to be maintained for like seven years and represent the actual trades of real goods. Like an entire valuation of the entire planet is based on what comes out of the global capital markets. And those are basically done by sending UDP packets to and from exchanges. And when people make an agreement, the exchange you know, swaps the, the contracts for the dollars back and forth. And those UDP packets represent the legal change of ownership of or the legal closing of a contract every time. So um, people have to record them and save them and these things exist forever and a day. Um, they're basically UDP packet dump, sometimes called a PCAP for packet capture, and they're dumped often in a very lean text-only format. There's a zillion mild variations of these things, but they really look like a CSV file with poor formatting and weird text-only compression. For a big bank, it might do, say, a billion UDP packets a day at about a kilobyte per packet, sort of have about a terabyte of data daily. Um, a a mid-sized trading firm might see um, thousands of that, so, you know, many gigabytes of data daily. Okay, I want to do some analytics on it. Um, people do it all the time. It's very important for all kinds of financial valuation um, stuff. And in my case, I used it to spot and find fraud in the capital markets. So basically, I want to read a large CSV file, one that's multi-gigabytes to terabyte in size. It has a million to a billion rows, 60 to 70 columns. It varies from row to row and from format to format. Do some basic math, like find all the products. These are stuff like West Texas Intermediate Crude or Henry Huggins trading for oil off the North Shore or North Sea or soybean oils or corn futures or anything like this. Things that are being bought and sold, they're being bid on. Their value, what are their valuations? You know, what is the actual fill prices versus the, the offer price? What's the min, max, mean, standard deviations that orders filled, you know, orders placed and so on and so forth. The actual math is pretty easy. Um, although I went to the next step and did ML on it, so I did some complicated math, but most of the math you do here is just straight up simple stuff. And so how can this math, how can this whole thing problem be, be hard? And how can I get a stupid 5x speed up for doing something like actually pretty darn trivial and what's GC got to do with it? So I, I wrote a teeny Java, pro Java program. So GC's involved because I'm writing Java and I know the JIT will make some high quality code, so you know, where's the fail here? So my Java program starts by 
opening the file in question with a buffered reader. You know, it's well buffered. It reads lines. It splits them out into, you know, an array of strings, one per column by just doing a string split on a comma. Um, I pull out about 10% of the columns and do some basic BI math on them. I parse strings into integers, I sum up the ints, or I take the squares, so I do standard deviations, I do mins and max. I look up product strings in my hash table because I don't know all the products when I start the file. It varies from file to file, and I collect, you know, one line in a thousand involves having a new product suddenly appearing, and I begin uh, doing roll-up data on that product. So when I do this on a multi-gig file, it's not as fast as I would like. A modern CPU has maybe 50 gigs a second memory bandwidth, probably more. Um, and my data is hot in my OS caches. This is not on disk. And I'm using an SSD drive anyhow. So I'd expect it to be all over within a few seconds. And it's easily 100 times slower than that. What's going on? Well, OK, I got a program. It's slow. What do you do? You profile. Obviously, I profile. The time is smeared out all over the obvious hot read loop. I got one hot read loop. It says, read a line until EOF. String split, do some math. Um, the, the, the profiler smears things out, says it's all kind of hot, all kind of mediocre. Um, there's a ton of strings being made, obviously, but GC costs are essentially free. All the objects die young. The young gen GC is always within a few milliseconds. I'm not spending any of my time doing GC here. Okay, what's going on and where do I go from here? Well, there's a big lie running around here. Um, that's not so obvious. It's standard profilers don't show you when you're out of memory bandwidth. You need hardware performance counters to get that. And even those will only show you you have a ton of lowest level cache misses. Well, I know I'm you know reading a file that's not in my caches at all. It's much too big for any of my caches. So it's going to have some cache misses. That's kind of expected. In fact, I'm, I'm going to get gigabytes of the cache misses. And so I would expect to see a bunch of cache misses, but if I use the hardware performance counters, well, I'll see that I'm getting 100 times more caches than what can be accounted for by loading the data. What's going on? Well, if I look at my loop, I'm, I'm, I'm calling buffer to reader read line, I'm calling string split, I'm converting some strings to ints, I'm doing some basic math. Um, Maybe the the conversion to ints is expensive, but no, it doesn't show in the profiler. Maybe string split, which does have some cycles. It's a regex split, but it's a highly optimized version because I'm splitting on a single character of the comma. So let me just bring it out here. It's all about the memory. I'm reading X bytes where X is many gigs, and I'm converting them to X characters, which is a 2X blow up plus a memory header for the string, and there's a car raise, there's a bunch of headers in there. Then I'm splitting those in another set of X characters. Every character in the original string ends up in a new string, except for the commas, which get tossed out in the, in the array of strings that come out of the split, plus a headers for every one of those new strings. And none of the stuff, none of those strings I make are in my caches when I do a new. Okay, so me back up again. I thought new was really cheap. Like, isn't it a bump pointer allocation? Well, kind of, sort of. GC allocations are really cheap and really expensive. And let me explain. They're, the actual allocation, the getting of a new pointer is cheap. Bump pointer, what does that mean? I have a base of, an, of a large empty space. I bump it by the size of the string I need. 
I test to make sure I didn't run off the end. I rarely do. So the cost is an add of a pointer compared to the end. An x86 is at one clock. That's pretty damn near free. It's really cheap. The allocated space I just got, that was only created from the last GC cycle. That was a long time ago. It's not in my caches. In fact, it's a 100% chance it's not in my caches. Every object I make has a 100% chance full to main memory cache miss. When you fill the object or the and now actually cache lines with goodness and you use it, it's in your L1 at that point. But when you're done, you drop the object. The strings, these all strings, they all die young. Every time I do a new line out of my giant file of mini lines, um, the old strings all die and I make a set of new strings, right? So the new strings that I just made and used, they die in, I don't know, a thousand clocks, less than a microsecond. They die pretty quick. Um, and 100% it dies. They all die. But the CPU doesn't know anything about garbage collection. It doesn't know it's dead. It doesn't know a whole lot about what's going on. It just will eventually recognize that the loop is not ever getting, the string's never getting used again. So it needs some space in its caches for the next string, which was not in its caches. So it throws out the old string. So the CPU will read the new string's memory even as it gets filled with zeros and then gets filled with my, my raw bytes turned into characters through a lookup. But we'll write out the dead string as well. Then I will split into this uh, array of strings for columns and, and copy everything again. So let me, let me count up here. What am I going, doing here? I'm reading X bytes for X is mini gigs. For every X byte, for every byte I read, I make a double of that for the string for the read line call. And double again, because I write it back out. And I doubled again, because I copied every byte into a string split. And again, for being written out. So that's eight, that's four two Xs, that's eight X allocation for every X I read. Plus I have headers for all these strings and car arrays involved, which if I do the math, brings me about to 14 X. So basically, 1 14th of my memory cycles are being used to read my real data, and 13 14ths are being used for, I'll call it junk string allocation, and I'm out of memory bandwidth. And because I'm out of memory bandwidth, and I'm, my caches are all full of dead strings, everything I want to do misses in cache anyhow, and it's all about cache misses, but they're smeared out all over the things. Things that would otherwise be hot in my caches got tossed out because of all the strings, and it's all my time is being spent shuffling things in and out of main memory, most of which is entirely dead, nearly all of which is entirely dead. And, and what do I do about it? Okay, well, here's why I step you through the live code example in Rocket Real-Time School. Um, I, I want to keep my original business logic basically untouched because I'm going to have a complicated business problem I'm solving. I'm assuming you're not just finding the, you know, the adding up the counts of things, but in fact, you're doing something more complicated. I give an example where I do some basic business, you know, BI intelligence kind of math, min, max, mean, standard dev. But actually, in real practice, I'm doing this on big data doing ML, but you might have any kinds of other fun, you know, analytics you want to do here. So I want to keep the original business logic untouched because it's going to get complicated. And, you know, and I don't need it to be complicated. I only need to change how my data is loaded and represented. So. The first thing I do, I don't need all the columns turned into strings. I'm only using about 10% of the columns in this particular example. So make strings for the columns I'm using, but not on the, the strings I'm not using. So basically, I can't call string split 
but not because the splitting is expensive, but because making strings for 90% of the line that I'm not using is expensive. So I just manually split on a comma boundary by walking the string array I got from read line. And every time I find a comma, I count columns. And when I find the end of the right column, I make a string and I'm done. And when just getting rid of that 90% of strings um, doubles my speed. That's a 2x right there. Not quite. It's a little bit less than 2x. So what else am I doing with strings? Well, I, I have, uh, you know, one-tenth of my columns are turned into strings for my business logic, but my business logic wants strings. I'm calling uh, buffered reader read line. I need the buffering. That's a common, obvious way to make efficient access to a large streaming pile of data, and I'm streaming through a big pile of data. So I want buffering, but buffered read line only offers a string API. I can't get a pile of data that's uh, um, anything other than a string here. So what do I do? I write my own buffering code. It's actually only like 10 lines of code. It's not very hard to do. And in this buffering logic, I'm just recording the start and end of the lines of code, of the lines in the code, without converting them to strings. Then when I go my string builders for, for making the columns I'm actually using, they're part of the data path, and they have to know that the, the data layout's not now coming in a, in a wrapper object which is describing a, a line instead of an actual string. But the business logic's untouched. And doing this gets me another 2x. It's a little bit more, and it brings us a total of about a 4x speedup. So my business logic is still doing things with strings. How I got the data, my own buffered thing, buffered reader, it's about 10, 15 lines. It's not very much. And my own string column finder instead of string split, it's a few more lines, but it's another 15 or 20 lines. I'm not talking 50 lines here total. I'm talking like 30 lines total. And I've got a 4x speed up, and my business logic is like completely untouched. So can I go to the next step? Yes, I don't need any strings at all. What do I, what do I need? I'm using strings in the business logic. Well, what I want to use is strings that back over a byte array that's coming off of, you know, a, a NIO-sized byte thing. And then I'm going to recycle those constantly. But the business logic, you know, ends per row. It does something on a row and grabs the next row and carries on. And it saves some strings for perpetuity. Um, in perpetuity, when I do like a hash table of the new products I'm finding, but most of the business logic is just parse the string, do my math with it, and I'm done. So I want a strings I can recycle constantly with a new backing byte array, but I, strings are immutable and I'm not changing the string API. Instead, I make a string-like analog, a thing I call stir because I like short names. Um, it has most of the string API on it, except that it lets me change the string values easily by just pointing it at a new array of bytes and giving it an offset and a length. So it's not a string. It's a string-like thing. And if I edit it, I'm screwed. If I hang on to it for a long time, I'm screwed because I'm going to recycle them constantly. So I have to be a little careful with the lifetime management of these strings. But as I said, almost all the string uses are use it once and I'm done, except I hang on to strings when I make the hash table of new products. I hang on to a string for the product ID. So what do I do here? Well, I make the product table hashed on a string analog. It supports equals and, and hash code and all that kind of stuff just fine. It does, you know, convert to int, you know, parse it as an int and, and compare it to a real string. So I have real strings in my code too. All those things are just in the API. And basically I change string to stir um, in and around the loop. 
and the business logic has things that will take a stir object instead of a string object. I cut you know ing off of the API headers um, to my business logic, and that's that's it. That's all I do. So the business logic looks identical. It's talking to stir objects instead of string objects, and um, you know, but otherwise it's untouched. And as a result, I get rid of the last bit of allocation, and I get my speed of up to five x. So this is still single-threaded code. I'm not doing any sort of min-map thing. I could min-map this file indirectly. I could go multi-threaded. I could go multi-core, whatever. But no, it's basically I'm looking at single-threaded logic code. There is a, 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 a data path that knows it's going to roll through a huge pile of data. It's got an API around it that says, get a line. But it doesn't actually get a line, it just marks where the lines are, line ends and begins are, and give me columns as stir objects, and that API is essentially untouched except it returns a stir object, and I can get them by whatever column name I want by just saying give me column X's stir object. And then my business logic just says, you know, convert to int, same as there's a you know two integer parse thing floating around, and add a min max mole, that's untouched. Um, there's a hash table that takes a stir object as a key, it's untouched, and, and you know basically the logic's the same, and I get a 5x speed up. So it's worth screwing around at some point, you know, if you get big enough data here. Anyhow, I'm gonna wrap it up. Here's the, the big takeaways. When you allocate x bytes per x byte being read, when x is big, that gets expensive fast. If x is small, like all things do with performance, if it's small, it's small, and what the hell are you here for, right? <clears throat> but if it's big, if you're looking at gigabytes and up of, of file data, ponder carefully where you make allocations. Because in my original code, I didn't hardly ever use the word string. I certainly said, did never said new string. I said buffered reader.readline, and later I said dot split. Right? So there was never a new string being created, obviously, but new strings are being created in droves, and that was where all the cost went. So allocating X bytes. Per X byte where X is big, that's expensive, even if the raw GC costs are low. Okay, next, you wrote, read the data in off the network, off the file, off wherever it came from, some socket. Ponder using the data directly as it sits in the byte buffers and, and wrapping little analogs around them, like string analogs or whatever, analogs around them in order to avoid the copying costs. Because what I was really doing is I was copying one byte into two, but <coughs> the copied thing after the copy was then itself thrown away and re-computed. Re that was expensive. But you can get rid of the copy. You can just copy, sorry, you can just copy it directly. And there's already copy being made from the OS byte buffers into the Java um, direct byte buffers from there into a standard byte array that I could also get rid of that I haven't done in this uh, podcast example. So ponder reusing the data directly in the raw underlying buffers. It's available in Java directly and will save you another set of costs. Next, look at various kind of analogs, especially for string, that you want to wrap over the raw data so that you can recycle things in place directly. And by using a string-like analog, I can keep my business logic almost completely unchanged. It just changed the headers to use stir objects instead of strings, but otherwise it looks like the same business logic it did before. I'm looking for magical keywords that are quoted Java strings because the stir object will compare to strings. I have a to int and a from int and the parsing, whatever, all that stuff happens just the same as before. There is an issue about lifetime management you have to be a little careful about. 
um, especially if you're storing things in a hash table. And I, and I have a version of the stir object which just says, make a copy of this in, in an allocated thing because it's going to hang on to the lifetimes, not the lifetime of the, of the, you know, the use in the buffer, but the lifetimes longer. Next big ticket item. Profilers lie when you're out of memory bandwidth, or at least the standard profilers lie. They just don't show up in the profiles. What you'll get is everything's kind of mushy lethargic because you're cache missing constantly and all the cache misses come all over the map, so every memory reference is slow. You might have huge allocation rates, but the GC costs are low because all the objects die young. So isn't that really cheap? No, instead you're suffering endless cache misses and you need a hardware performance counter profiler to see those. They won't show up in a standard Java, you know, the time was spent here kind of profile. It doesn't show up at all. So basically, when your data representation exceeds your caches, it matters. And in particular, big data analytics using things with capital D doubles and capital L longs suffer this problem in spades. If a full GC cycle comes through while they're in the middle of holding on to a billion capital L longs, you're going to suffer giant GC pauses. Don't do it. Stick with the primitive data as much as you can in any of this big data stuff. Okay. Anyhow, um, this is just an example of the kind of stuff you learn at, at rocketrealtime.com. Um, sign up for classes. Come learn with me. And this is Cliff Click. And may all of your allocations hit in cash. Thanks. Bye-bye.